0: Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Traveling Without a Pen. (laughs) I get a lot of emails from people. One of the things people ask me is what are some of the pet peeves that flight tenants have? And a big one is the fact that passengers do not have a pen on them. It's such a simple tool. You know, it's really something you need on on an everyday basis. And (laughs) to be leaving your home for a week without a pen, it just Is sort of mind-boggling to us because uh, if you're going on an international flight, you're going to have to fill out custom and immigration forms. Even going to Hawaii, you're going to have to fill out agriculture forms you must uh, fill up before you enter the state of Hawaii. And the airline doesn't supply us with pens, and the passengers are always asking us for pens. So, like, I, I collect them in hotels and stuff, but I can only carry so much, and I can only have so many pens on me, and I give them out, and I find, this is kind of sad, that people don't necessarily not have a pen. They just don't want to bother getting their own pen out. They would rather ask me, have me go get my bag, get it out of the overhead bin, get out a pen, bring it back to them when I got all kind of other stuff to do. Because I find that if I say to them, oh, I don't have any pens or I've already given out all the pens I've brought from home for the passengers... (laughs) Then I walk away and I see them stand up and get in the overhead bin and get out their own pen. (laughs) They're just lying to me. (laughs) Anyway, I do carry some of my own pens, but I just can't supply everyone on the airplane with a pen. So it is a little pet peeve when people travel without a pen. It's sort of just being unprepared. And that is basically what this episode is all about. Because my recorder, my digital recorder that I take and interview people with broke. I put the batteries in and it made a funny smell. And then the next thing you know, wouldn't turn on. So I was not traveling without a pen. I was traveling without a recorder, <laughs> which makes having a podcast a lot more difficult. And I tried to figure out how to get my recorder fixed. And I didn't have much luck with that. So I decided to order a smaller new uh, Morantz digital recorder, but it took a while for me to get it. So most of the month I was without a recorder, which makes it harder for me to put a podcast together. That's why I'm a little late this month. But I was sort of thinking I just wasn't going to be able to do a podcast this month. But you know, I have a backlog of stories, but none of them really went together in a theme until I started thinking about being unprepared. So what I decided to do was to go back and revisit some of the classic Betty topics, but with new stories. So we have in this episode four Lost in Translation stories, two celebrity stories, three dingbat stories, a love is in the air story, and at the end of the episode, one new stupendous story. So all the stories are new. We're just visiting some classic Betty topics. (laughs) And hey, when you're traveling, please bring a pen.
1: I was working at... uh... United checking baggage in LA during college. And when you check the bags at United in LA, they got their tickets one place and then they brought the bags over and as all you did was check bags and they went on these little trays, you know, down to some place into the to the airplane. And you had to say back to the person where you were checking the bags. So if you came yeah, if you came up and said, you know, and gave me their ticket, I'd say then, Okay, I've got two pieces of luggage going to Maui so that you knew Right. So it's late in the day, and we've got Las Vegas is the last flight, and these two little ladies come up, and I check their bags, and I go, okay, that's two bags to Vegas. Oh, my gosh. And they go, what? <laughs> and I I start laughing, and I go, that's two. am laughing so hard I can't say suitcases. And I'm going, that's two, that's two. <laughs> <laughs> two bags, two to bags to Vegas. Two bags <laughs> to Vegas. What? You can't say that about us.
0: guy told me this good story and I couldn't record it because I didn't ever a recorder with me. But I'll tell you the story he told me. He said that uh, we just started having new flight attendants again. We've hired, we have new people. It's very nice to have, you know, a, a burst of enthusiasm, you know, um, new people just bring an energy that's, you know, it's, it's very welcome. I'm thrilled that we have some new people. But when you haven't had new people for a long time, you sort of forget all the things that you didn't know when you were new. And so he said he was on a layover and uh, he went through the lobby of the hotel and he saw this new young flight attendant sitting there in her uniform. And he, he you know, he said hi and went onto to the elevator, went up to his room. And a few hours later, he was, um it was time for his pickup. So he, you know, he got dressed in his uniform. He came down and that young girl still sitting there in her uniform. And he said, um, have you been down here, you know, For all these hours? And she said, Uh yes. And he's like, Are you okay? Is there a problem or something? And she goes, No, there's not a problem, but you know, I'm kinda bored. And he's like, Well, what are you what are you doing down here? And she said, Well, I saw in the room that checkout was at noon (laughs) Which, you know, she's just being conscientious and as a normal person at a hotel, yes, there's a published checkout time. But because we uh rent rooms every night of the year what happens is when we get there is when we check in and when we are picking up is when we check out we don't go by the the normal published checkout times you know she's being conscientious she saw in her room checkout time was at noon so she backed up all her stuff got down her uniform and sat down there in the lobby (laughs) it probably would have been better if she just asked somebody (laughs) but you know when you're new you're new
2: was flying from um, Salt Lake City to Los Angeles on a 727 and I was working up in first class. I think it was Well, anyway, I was on the flight and we had Evil Knievel oh, evil. Get on. Did he do any stunts for you on the airplane?
0: No, no stunts. <laughs> he like stacked some things
2: up. <laughs> no, but he, he had uh, he had been hunting apparently and had bagged a, a wild turkey oh. and had it um, stuffed, you know. So
0: he's traveling with a stuffed
2: turkey? Correct. I mean, and this thing's pretty big. It's like, you know, I mean, it's a big turkey. I mean, with all the feathers and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he was traveling first class, of course, and um, he bought a first class seat for his turkey as well so that it would be, you know, in good shape when it arrived in Los Angeles. So So he...
0: Mr. turkey
2: and i don't remember you know <laughs> back in those days i don't even think we had manifests like we do today but um so he boarded the airplane and you know with this great big turkey in hand and proceeded to place it in the window seat and yeah. strapped it all in and then sat down next to him in the aisle seat and and uh you know just acted like it was an everyday normal occurrence. So it's, turkeys in first class. Yeah, and there <laughs> well, sat so there the turkey. <laughs> turkey was the best passenger on the flight that day. <laughs> <Yeah>. So.
1: <laughs> I can see clear through, thunder. I you
3: leaving out of Boston. Used to say, "It's a schuss."
1: Say what? Schuss. Goodbye. Bavaria.
3: He, he, he asked me. He said, "Why does Why does Swissair Swiss always say cheers when they're leaving?" I said, no, having taken a semester of German in college, I said, no, they're saying Schuss.
0: Okay, I have to add to this last story. This guy I was just flying with said he was flying with one of our most senior flight attendants. She has uh, since retired. but She flew into her late 70s. She might have even been 80. She was our most senior flight attendant, and they were flying Frankfurt. And uh, as you get older, you know, you, you, you become harder of hearing. You know, it just happens part of getting old but you know she she was an old fly attendant and they were flying frankfurt and those german speakers were saying goodbye just like the guy just said how they were saying it she didn't understand what they were saying and she said to this guy fly attendant she goes why why do those german speakers keep saying jews 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 (laughs) she thought they were saying jews i know i know it's offensive I know it's offensive, but, but you have to admit it's funny.
1: You're right there, but you're really far
0: distance. No one can exit, no one So, you worked for another airline, a small
4: one? I did, back in the 80s.
0: Now I'm dating myself.
4: Okay, anyhow, um, it was a small um, aircraft, and we were flying one day, and when we landed in this small town, this woman got off and she wanted to see a supervisor when we landed. So she got off the airplane and we found out later when she spoke to the supervisor, she wanted to know why fat was written on her um, boarding envelope. <laughs> fat. fat. This was prior to computer computerized boarding cards. Anyhow, the, she was flying into Fresno and the city code is F-A-T. So it had nothing to do with her body, only the town she was. Lying too. <laughs>
0: So at the beginning of the episode I was talking about how people travel without a pen and there are forms you have to fill out a lot of times when you're traveling. I fly to Hawaii a lot, so you had to fill out this State of Hawaii agriculture form to enter the state of Hawaii. They basically don't want you to bring in any organisms or plants or animals that could harm their fragile environment. So you have to fill out this form and it has all has listed all the things you can't bring into the state of Hawaii, you know, plants, animals, fungus. Live bacteria. And if you don't have any of these items, you have to check none of the above and fill out your name, address, those types of things. So, and we have to collect these forms and hand them to the agriculture agent when we open the door in Hawaii. So, this is very familiar to us, of course, and it is unfamiliar to people on the airplane. They don't understand why they have to fill out a form because it's still the United States, but it's mandatory. You have to fill out the form and we have to go through and pick them up. And most of the time people have not checked the none of the above, which is what they're looking for, or they will do some other strange things with these forms. (laughs) So the other day I was flying into Maui and I'm picking up the forms and I look at the form and the people have checked that they have live plants, live animals, live bacteria, fungi. (laughs) They've checked everything. Like they have all these things. And I said, um, I don't think you filled this out correctly. Do you have all these things? And they said, yes. And I said, you have fungi with you? And they said, no, 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 we don't have any of those things. I said, oh, well, you've checked that you have all these things. And I, I think you need to rewrite this, or else I think they're just going to take you away. <laughs> I, I could tell they didn't have fungi. <laughs>
4: We had Mother Teresa and her entourage going from New York to Frankfurt. And I think they were booked in coach. And of course, Pan Am upgraded them to Clipper class, which was business. And of course, the crew, since we had seats in first class, put Mother Teresa and her secretary and a couple of the others in first class. And at that time, the upper deck of the 747 was first class. And I happened to be working up there as usual. And there was Mother Teresa and her secretary. And there were maybe two other people, and I remember one of them was a photographer for either Penthouse or Playboy or one of these kind of magazines. Odd and he was sort of taking pictures. And I remember we did like a seven or eight course meal, <laughs> seven or eight course meal. And I was taking her meal orders, and I didn't know what to do with her. And so I wheeled around the hors d'oeuvre cart with the caviar and the pates and the shrimp, and she didn't want any of that. Wheeled around the salad cart, she had a little salad took out her main course, her chicken, and she was eating it. And then I wheeled out the cheese and fruit, carts and all this, and and her eyes kept getting really big, and she said, I cannot eat any more of this food. Young man, what do you do with all of this food you don't use? And, you know, I felt really bad because I thought, what do you say to Mother Teresa who is in India, right, in Calcutta? And I said, well, you know, the governments, they make us throw it away. And she looked so sad. I almost felt like I should get a box and put all the extra steak and chicken and give it to her or something. And I remember, of course, we did do a collection on the airplane. I think we must have gathered about $500 for her from the
1: passengers. and remember just where I was when I first
0: Now, I want to talk about a little bit about a different subject. A few years back, I was fortunate enough to do some craft trips. Craft stands for Civil Reserve Air Fleet. And in times of war, the government has an agreement with the airlines that they can use commercial airlines and commercial airline employees to transport military troops in times of war. And during those times, um... I flew those flights because I am single, don't have as many ties at home, I was able to fly some of those flights and it was very interesting, and I have to use interesting as a relative term because we had to learn how to wear a gas mask and how to give ourselves, you know, uh, antidote, to shoot ourselves with an antidote in case there's chemical weapons and we had to learn all sort sort of military things to go on these flights and I would take the soldiers from Rome to Kuwait, and those flights are so different. I thought that they, you might enjoy hearing a little bit about them because so few people are ever on them. These flights, when we're taking the military, it is completely different than any other flight you will ever have on a commercial aircraft because the soldiers all have their Luggage and the luggage is piled up everywhere. So basically, all the rules, everything that we wag our fingers at, passengers on a daily basis, sort of goes out the window because it's the military. It's a military flight. It's not a commercial airline flight. And they have their guns on board. These soldiers have their guns. So as On a normal flight, as I'm taking my beverage cart up the aisle, I'm like, watch the cart, watch your toes, watch your elbows, watch the cart, watch your toes, watch your elbows. And on those craft flights, instead, it's like, watch the cart, watch your guns, watch your guns. (laughs) There's just guns everywhere, which is really bizarre. And the other thing about those flights is that they're so emotional. Taking them over there is very sad. Bringing them back is so rewarding. And there were certain flights when I was doing this during the actual quote unquote, actual war, when they were in their uniforms, and we had to have the chemical suits, uh, we would go through Rome, we would go Rome, Kuwait, and there was this one particular gate agent, they would get on the plane in Rome, and She was a young woman, and she would sing the Star Spangled Banner, and all the soldiers would stand at attention in their uniforms as they were going off to war, and she would sing this over the PA on the aircraft, and I got teary every time. It was so emotional.
3: This is a, a story about my my cousin-in-law, who was shot down over Vietnam twice. Twice? And the first time he was shot down, he was he escaped and evaded. Well, he didn't escape. He evaded in the north uh, while he was being pursued for over a week before they were able to to rescue him. And that was featured in Life magazine back uh, back when it happened because it was such a rarity that somebody could evade for for such a long period of time but the second time he was shot down was uh, was really an interesting story and he never would tell me this story himself and I happened to be flying with a captain uh, when I was first officer on 767 and he said he was a Navy pilot and I asked him if he happened to know my cousin Paul and he goes yes I do let me tell you the story about the day that I was his wingman and he got shot down and he said that uh, they, were, they were flying F-4s and they had just uh, bombed a a North Vietnamese encampment and he got hit and during the process of getting hit his uh, his backseater was killed and he managed to limp out just barely over the ocean before he ejected and he ejected and as he was coming down in his parachute he uh the North Vietnamese were shooting at him, hanging in his parachute, which happens to be against Geneva Conventions. But Paul was kind of an interesting character because he didn't like the, the military-issued gun, which was a little thirty-eight at that time, which we, we affectionately called the pea shooter And so he carried a, a Beretta 9mm pistol underneath his vest. And as he was coming down in his parachute, he had the wherewithal to think to empty this, the, the little pea shooter that was visible in his vest. So he emptied it and stuck it back in his holster, and he landed in, in waist deep water. Well, two North Vietnamese uh, uh, soldiers came out, waded out into the water to bring him back in. And they both had rifles. As soon as they got up to Paul, one of them immediately grabbed the visible pistol out of his uh, holster and held it at him. And this pistol was the empty pistol. And he handed his rifle to the other North Vietnamese. And his uh, his wingman saw this all happening and, and tried to scare off the, the, the Vietnamese that were coming out to meet him in the water and so he kept on buzzing them lower and lower really close to the water But uh, the F4 didn't have any any uh, guns that he could shoot and so it, all he could do was buzz them and, and try to scare them and Paul noticed that every time that, that they came down and buzzed them the guy who was holding the two rifles would duck under the water and hold the rifles above his head out of the water. And so the wingman came by, buzzed buzzed them, and the guy went under the water. Paul pulled out his his other pistol, shot the, the guy who was holding the empty pistol, and waited for the other guy to pop up out of the water and shot him. And then they were able to get a helicopter in and pick him up. Wow! So his he became an admiral in the, the navy, and uh, I I flew back when he took command of the Nimitz back in about 1983. The uh, commander of the Joint Chiefs of Staff came to his his uh, change of command ceremony. It was was kind of interesting. and My brother and I, who were both Air Force pilots, went out for the change of command ceremony, and Admiral Hayward, who was the commander of the Joint Chiefs, came up to us and said, any of you boys inter- interested in an inner service transfer? He says, I know just the guy who could get it for you. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I, I can understand why Paul didn't tell the... Uh, a story himself, why? how he personally dispatched a couple of people from this earth.
0: Since we're revisiting topics from past episodes, in my last episode I told a stupendous story, and I've got another one. In that vein, I get a lot of emails from kids, which is I'm very flattered that kids listen to me. And uh, I'd gotten a few emails from this uh, this kid named Max, and would you believe this kid got a present to me? A present to me. I only use my first name on this podcast. I don't say the name of the airline, even though most people have figured it out, because I just don't want to get in trouble at work. And um, the fact that this kid max got a present to me with just my first name and he thinks he knows what airline i work for (laughs) i mean it was really impressive um he was on a flight i believe it was to or from orlando and he gets on the plane and he thinks he's on the airline that i work for and he asks the flight attendants if they knew betty (laughs) and you know we have like i don't know maybe 13,000 flight attendants at my airline, and um, especially if you're not based in the same base, you don't, I certainly don't know all 13,000 by their first name, (laughs) so um, the flight attendants are like, no, we don't, we don't know anybody named Betty, and he's like, oh, she has a podcast, you know, they had no idea, so he said, "Um, you know, I'm pretty sure she's based in Los Angeles, is there any way you could take this present and get it, the Los Angeles base because he was sure somebody there would know Betty (laughs) so the flight attendant takes it and she's going to like company mail this present to me in Los Angeles saying you know is there somebody based there named Betty (laughs) I mean it's amazing that he was able to accomplish this but then the flight attendants were getting off the airplane and the flight attendants the next crew that was getting on they said hey where are you guys based and uh, they were like, "Oh, we're based in LA." And uh, they said, "Do you know somebody there named Betty?" <laughs> and the guy uh, I knew said, "Oh yeah, I know Betty. He goes uh, He said, "Oh this kid on the plane wanted to give her a present because he listens to her podcast. Do you think you can take this with you?" <laughs> So the guy takes it with me and like two weeks later, because uh, I had been on vacation, I go to the airport to sign in for my trip and one of the supervisors there comes out with his box and says, you know, there was a kid on a flight who wanted to get you a present. <laughs> Do you believe it? And I opened it up and it was an airplane, a Concorde and it, it and it moves. And I was so touched that he took the time and the effort and actually managed to get a present to me. That's truly stupendous. Thanks, Max. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'll make a deal with you. If you won't travel without a pen, I won't travel without a recorder. And we'll all be more prepared. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can uh, travel the world together. Thanks. Bye.